0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Legitimus Podcast here, April 13th, 2020, in the midst of Corona pandemic. We are very excited after a very long layoff time away to bring back the Legitimus Podcast. We have myself, Mike Miller, and then also we bought, brought back the one, the only, the man of many goats, Chris Killinger. And what we're going to do is that we're going to have the Miller and Killer show on the Legitimus Podcast going forward. So I'm very excited to have Killer back. Killer, tell me what's going on out in Ohio here. Let's get the people up to date in the middle of this pandemic.
1: All right. So farm update: we got
0: we still got two goats,
1: but we added six turkeys and eleven chickens to the flock. Oh, yeah. So we're you, you could say we're go, we're serious now.
0: It sounds like you are ready to withstand the pandemic and everything that it has to throw at you.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, and we started our garden. Well, sort of. We got it. We got it tilled. We we'll tilled up. I was doing that also this past weekend. Um, and uh, I actually bought this is just a quick side story, but I bought an electric tiller, which I thought was going to be absolutely worthless. Yeah. For Mike, I don't, I just have a little garden out back. It's nothing too big, 20 by 20. and just going to put some peppers and some basics in there. I can't say enough good things about that stupid electric tiller that I bought off of Amazon for $89 shipped. That yes. thing runs like a champ. I was so, very, very surprised. It's a cordless tiller. It's not cordless. You got to plug it in. Oh, it's okay. electric. And it, it runs, as they say, uh, I believe the term is raped ape is the term <laughs> that I like to use. That thing is an absolute beast for $89. Bucks. Um, but anyways, I know I'm excited to get this podcast back and going. The people have spoken. Obviously, during uh, everything that we have going on with corona here, people need some stuff to do. They need to listen to some people. And why not listen to uh, a big goofball like me and uh, everything that Keller has to say. So we're excited to be back and uh, bring you guys some info in the Axe-related world. Obviously, there's been uh, a lot going on, and they're – Hasn't really been too much going on, obviously, with the the different groups and the sites. Um, you know, still see some guys selling and trading and things like that. But uh, killer axe-wise, leather-wise, man, what, what have you been uh, doing? What have you uh, had going on? Believe it or not, I am the busiest I've ever been, ever.
1: It's insane. <clears throat> um, I reopened my Etsy shop a couple weeks ago. Well, I think late March. And, uh, like the first day I had record sales, never, never sold that much. And then, uh, that's been a steady flow. And then I went to pick up handles from my supplier and it had been, I don't know, a month or so since I got my last batch or maybe two months. I go down there and he's like, yeah, I got some handles for you. Come get them. And they're, they're Amish. So it's all phone calls. And I never really know what's going to happen or what I get. I show up. The guys got 271 axe handles I'm <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> like wow so I bring them home I sort them out believe it or not I I may have pulled if I pulled a dozen handles out of that pile that didn't make the cut I'd be surprised and uh, I put them up on Etsy and um, that was that was sort of a, a a mistake on my end because they almost all sold out in 48 hours. And I say mistake because now I'm scrambling to package and ship these <laughs> 271 handles. It's it's a lot of work. I had, I had Tiff working with me all weekend. And we were only able to get uh, about 22 orders ready to ship out of roughly 60 orders, individual orders, I think, or something like that. I don't know. But it's insane. I mean, which is good. I'm, I'm not complaining at all, but wow, did I, did I misguide, misjudge that? I thought, I'll put these up there and it'll just be a nice place to send people when they ask for handles. No, they didn't last long at all.
0: (laughs) Which, uh, which to your point is a good problem to have though, right? Especially with everything that we have going on now, uh, with COVID and Corona time and, and yada yada. So 270 some handles. Maybe 10 to 12 that didn't make the grades. So we got, let's just say, for the sake of argument, 250 handles flying off the shelves on Killinger gear, killer gear on Etsy. Um, That is absolutely remarkable, especially right now. Like, that's what blows my mind. Yep. You know, just sort of seeing everything going on. And I know I have been, for lack of a better term, hunkered down right. in, in the house, working on stuff, trying to keep busy outside, you know, doing Uh, A lot more outside stuff this time of year than uh, normally what I do, Uh, which, again, is an okay problem to have. But you and I had sort of talked about this, uh, I think it might have been last week or something, I mentioned it to you, is that one of the things I've seen or sort of opened my eyes to um, everything that's been going on is that axes are like a luxury item Yeah. me. You still see guys spending money on axes right now and everything where like my simple mind is like hunker down, You better buy some eggs and some bread. Uh, you know, hopefully you have some milk, go kill a chicken or a turkey or something and, you know, (laughs) let's get through stuff. So that was sort of surprising to me. I thought things on the axe front would dry up, but they didn't. Um, And that's, uh, that's all right. So I know I have not done anything because I didn't really feel like going to the post office and having to either be around people or stand in line or touch stuff. Uh, I know whenever things are getting delivered, like we've had some Amazon deliveries and stuff, you know, they're getting the Lysol treatment. And yeah. uh so different time right now, but that's really cool um obviously with the handles and uh that really awesome quality that those handles bring to I know the ones that I've gotten off of are just so top notch you, know, that you I, I say this
1: i say this every time i because these guys have just they they've taken every suggestion that I've given them and they they've done it and I say this every time these are the nicest handles I've ever sold and it it just seems like it gets better every time you know I'm packing up some of these handles last night and just and they're all gorgeous don't get me wrong, but some are just absolutely mind blowing and uh I'm like man I wish I wish I could have kept these <laughs> but I just don't need that many handles and even the B grades that I pulled out uh, normally i'll I'll either Um, return those or offer them up to guys like you or um, keep them for myself and um, of course you're still if you want some let me know but some of these B grades I'm keeping I mean they're just tiny little flaws like I really had to um, sit, sit there and look at it and think to myself would I be mad if I got this If I paid a premium price for this handle, would I be mad? And I'm like, you know what? If I'm questioning it, then, yeah, let's pull it out. But, you know, we're talking minimal flaws. More in a red elm. Red elm's a a beautiful wood. Red elm, let's talk about that real quick, and we won't spend too much time. Because I get a lot of people are nervous about the red elm. Uh, First off, red elm is nothing new. They used to use this wood back in the day. We just brought it back. The Europeans still use it. Auntie uses Red Elm on all their handles. Yep. Um, <clears throat> what, what I've discovered with Red Elm is it feels like a soft wood. It works like a soft wood, feels like a soft wood. It's very elastic and then is in like, uh, what do they call that? Uh, it's very tough. It, it feels soft, dense easily. But it's very tough. Um, I, ha- I put a Red Elm handle on my brush axe that I use all the time. I have zero issues. But one of the things you run into with Red Elm during the manufacturing process is you run into a lot of knots. So I have to be very careful um, when inspecting these handles that there's no knots in them. But they're usually blatantly obvious and it's not an issue. But other than that, that red elm is just gorgeous. I wish there was more of it, but they use what they have when they, when they make handles, but they only use the best
0: of what they have, which is why they're, they're a premium. Yeah. I know the handles that obviously I have, uh, gotten off of you before in the past, <coughs> you would send me, uh, like what we would call like the B grade line or the ones that had some of the slight imperfections, you know, flaws. And the ones that you had sent me that didn't make the cut, I think on the one batch, like, you had circled a couple of the things. And, like, there was a a little itty-bitty tiny knot in the one that was – it was as big as a pinhead. Yeah. I mean, it was that small. and you sent, And, I mean, otherwise, that handle was beautiful. Right. And, you know, one of the really nice things about, I guess, like, what can be called B-grade or the ones that don't make that cut is that, to me, then, those are the ones that you're going to put on the axes that are going to hang up or are gonna go into the display case or that you're gonna do something non-working with, those handles are absolutely perfect for them. And a lot of times what I've seen too is that if the grain isn't correctly right. So we're not gonna get into the whole grain discussion because we don't have four days. No and I don't I don't feel like having to argue with people about it. But sometimes if that grain is what we call off, so if it's you know kicked over to the side, let's say sixty degrees, something like that, or even maybe forty five it can give you an absolutely beautiful handle if you mod that handle correctly. You know, maybe some different oils, some burning, right. some different treatments, you know, different things like that. And that can make a really great wall hanger axe. Um, and obviously, who cares because you're not going to use it. It's just going to be up there for eye candy. So, um, yeah, those handles that you've uh, been able to supply to everybody, top-notch, uh, hopefully can keep that going, get those guys to work and, you know, and uh, we will go from there, but uh, definitely keep everybody updated. I know obviously we've seen the posts that have been out on the different platforms and those handles are just awesome. So what's, uh, what's been going on on the leather front? So I introduced,
1: um, I brought back belts. I used to do belts a lot before I brought them back and I've made them a permanent, um, item in my Etsy shop. And, uh, I've, Introduce suspenders to my lineup now and the sp- suspenders have uh, taken right off. I've sold several, several pairs of them. Um, they're a little bit pricey. Um, I do realize that like I'm not blind <laughs> to, to price, but they take a lot of work to make. So in my mind, it's, if I can't, get paid for my time to make them in the materials, then there's no point in making them because I can make anything. Um, so, but they've been very popular and I've made those a, a mainstay on my, um, Etsy shop as well. So people can just go there and order them whenever they want. They're pretty much made to order. Um, I think I put a three to four week lead time on them. It's usually way less than that, but, um, Cause I do wholesale too. So I have to be able to juggle the wholesale um, accounts and in my customers make everybody happy. (laughs) It's just, it's a one man show. Now Tiff's been helping a lot lately. She's like I said, she was with me all weekend doing these handles. We spent all day, not all day, but we spent a good portion of the day Saturday. Then we spent a good portion of last night working on handles and then, the last uh, couple big wholesale orders, she's been out there making leather sheaths with me.
0: Well, as you said before, definitely good to be busy, especially with everything that we have going on now. So uh, that's really good. The suspenders I've seen, um, those look top-notch. Not sure if everybody knows, but I have a Kellinger belt that I've had now for, I don't know, how long have I had that? At least six months, right? Yeah. If not longer. Yes. I wear that belt every day. Uh, it fits perfect it's a little bit wider than some of the other leather belts that I've had which I really like because uh, I it just to me it's more comfortable for whatever reason those thinner belts they just don't feel right they don't feel like they're supporting me or I don't know whatever that term is but the belt that I have from you is top notch man I love that thing and uh and wear it every day and as I told you the other day I'm gonna have to get a couple more so' yep. excited for that but So that's good. The, the goats are good. Um, obviously some more animals added now to the, to the flock uh, per se, but, um, so that, that is awesome. Um, so we might as well talk about Corona a little bit. So what, what have you been seeing as far as like out your way? Obviously you're in a little bit of a different situation, more rural. Um, not, you know, you're not in like a metro center, things like that. So how's that been going? How's the people been doing? How's morale, things like that real quick?
1: Well, out here, they just uh, keep everything, everybody's kind of self-isolated naturally because we live in the middle of nowhere, but I do travel um, to work every day into the city, and it's just weird seeing uh, lines at stores and limiting what we can, how many people can go into a store. And, um, you see all this traffic, you see all this traffic on the road and you're thinking, like, where are all these people going? Like, <laughs> everybody was out at work. But if if you look at the essential employee list, like th- it's a big long list, man, there's, there's a
0: lot of people working still. So there have been, uh, you know, your point about traffic, um, so obviously if no one knows me or whatever, Facebook, that whole thing, I like to fish and I do a lot of fishing and I've been trying to do more fishing as of late. Cause obviously that is a automatic self distancing act. Get out of my little boat and I go fishing for, you know, the day, whatever. And I'm amazed by the amount of traffic that is out, people out and about, things like that. Um, You know, it's. I I think obviously as as this thing progresses and hopefully this is sort of like the peak week right now. So as a a country and and as an area, hopefully if we can get through this week and hopefully have some things uh, lightened up a little bit, maybe be able to get some people back to work. Um, I know obviously it's been difficult for a lot of people. And and I think the thing that people are struggling with right now, you'll see like some of the comments in the posts is that, you know, as Americans, we're all about freedom, man. We we want to do what we want, when we want, how we want to do it. And the the sheer fact that you're telling people to go and hunker down, yeah. like, like cabin fever has said it. I know Always. for myself and people, are, you know, we can start to see the weather change now. And, you know, especially in our area up here in like the Northeast, Midwest, things like that. You know, when that weather changes and we can get out of wintertime, it's like go time. Yeah. So, um Hopefully, like I said, then, um, one more week here. So everybody, you know, be smart, be safe, hunker down. We got maybe a week, maybe two more weeks left, I think, of seriousness. I know, uh, Pennsylvania is, is really been, uh, you know, if it's not for Philadelphia or Pittsburgh, overall the state has shown really, really good, which makes a lot of sense. You look, you know, central and the northern parts of the state are pretty, uh, pretty rural, a lot of country. Allegheny National Forest, things like that. So if you stay away from those metro areas, you're not seeing the amount of cases, and then um, you're not seeing the amount of deaths either. So hopefully everybody will just continue to be smart. You know, we got, like I said, hopefully another week or two, and then we'll be able to get out of this. So,
1: And then, if I may, I just want to spread a message here,
0: <laughs> a little
1: PSA, if you will. If you're on Facebook, and most everybody is on Facebook, before you click share on some article that is a doom and gloom or um, propaganda, <laughs> research it. Don't just blindly click share on every article that that feeds the media. Um, I think a lot of what's going on is the mass hysteria. Is being spread like wildfire. I mean, yes, it's a serious <clears throat> disease, but um, it, it seems like some people want it to be more than it is. <clears throat> I I don't believe for one minute this is the end of the world. Um, we've we've survived this long. <laughs> Maybe I'm a little naive, but I don't I don't I don't think this one's going to get us.
0: Um. It, And
1: I I about had it with the
0: conspiracy theories. (laughs) Well, I I think that you bring up a really good point. You know, one of the things, if you're not sure, is that there are a couple sites that are out there where you can fact check, you know, if there is a story or if there's stats or anything like that, you can go out there and you can fact check that. And it will actually tell you if what they are saying has a a legitimacy to it. And so I don't think that people do that again, the media and the hype and things. Um, I think that's one of the things that's really confusing about this whole thing is that people, you know, you get inundated by so much media over the course of a day or three days or a week. And I think that you don't really know what to do with it. You don't know how to process it. And so then you become numb to it. Yeah. And so any of the stuff that is out there, that's factual, like, you know, social distancing, you know, basically stay at home, hunker down sort of gets lost in like, you know, I don't know if any of this other stuff is true. So what are they trying to feed me here? And you right. know, I, I think some people, though, like to try and stir the pot. I've seen some stuff about, you know, now, uh, you know, it's basically a stepping stone for government takeover and, you know, the recording license plates and this out of the other. I mean, just stop it. All right. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's stay at home. Let's get through this thing. Let's get this past us so that we can enjoy what's left of the spring and the summertime and recover and go from there. And, yeah. you know, obviously being in healthcare, um, We'll see how this thing goes. I mean, it is a virus, which um, you know they do mutate, and we'll see. You know, I I don't know what's going to happen. I can't predict anything, but uh, you know, this battle isn't over, and we're going to have to uh, be smart as a country and as an area and as a region and as individuals. So that's what we'll do, and uh, we'll get through it. We've been through worse. We'll get through it. So I agree, hundred percent. All right. Let's talk about some axes. What do you say? Let's do it. Axe podcast, probably talk about some axes. So, um,
1: <laughs> enough of that farming.
0: Yeah. Um, hopefully everybody has seen, uh, one of the things I've been working on for the last, I don't even know how many months now. It's been a long time is the, the axe wall, um, as yeah. I like to call it. So have that thing. It's about 95% done. And basically it's a mix of axes, um, paperwork. Catalog ads, uh, letters that I have from the different companies to individuals, and tried to make the best historical axe piece that I could. And I'll be sharing more of that with everybody uh, here as I try and figure out. One of my challenges is is that I can't take good pictures to be able to really truly represent what it is. Um, You you can set your phone up on
1: the panorama view, panorama shot.
0: You know how uh, to do that? I'll figure it out. I've never done that, but I'll... So, like, when you do the cascade from, like, left to right, then? Yeah, then you can just go left to right. I'll probably do a a video on Instagram about it then, too, to try and get in a little bit more of the... There's just so much going on there. Oh, it's... Uh, um, But the questions that have been coming in, if you guys have seen it, haven't seen it, whatever, feel free to check it out. If you want to leave some comments, that's great. If not, that's fine. But a couple of the things that I've been getting is, yes... There are no duplicate axes there. So what does that mean exactly? So that means that they're not all flint edges. They're not all wood slashers. Now, there are flint edges on that wall, but they are all different in some sort of capacity. So you might have a flint edge Dayton. You might have a flint edge Michigan. You might have a flint edge Bell System. You might have a flint edge USA. You might have a best best made flint edge. Different things like that. So they are all different, different patterns um, things along those lines. So there are no duplicates either up on the wall or in the racks below. Um, the racks are all original too. somebody. I got a couple things where somebody thought I made that plum rack. I didn't make that plum rack. Um, I was able to luckily get that off of a gentleman. I believe a lot of people are familiar with a guy by the name of freebie hey. Brent Freeman. Um, so we were able to work out a trade for that. So that is, that is real. Um, the boxes, the crates, those are real. So, um, it is a work in progress. It's not done. It's not perfect. I'm going to continue to edit it and stuff like that and move some axes around. But it was, uh, I tell you what, man, it took a, took a while to do that, but it was fun. Uh, got to learn a lot about what I got, things like that. Now, the other part of that is, so now I got all these axes left over. I don't know what to do with. So, uh, (laughs) um hopefully once Corona gets through here, be able to sell some of those and, Maybe if you know, I guess if we're allowed and we can have some of the Axe meets, obviously I know a lot of the Axe meets have been canceled. Um, there was the Appalachian one out on the Eastern half of Pennsylvania. Um, who else? Nathan Trueblood was going to have his out in uh, the Midwest there. Uh, A couple other ones, Leafs what up in New York. Obviously that had to get canceled with the whole gathering thing. So hopefully we can get, we can get back to a little bit of normalcy, get those things open back up. Um, I know I talked to you earlier. I'm throwing around the idea about having one here because it's really the best way to see the Axe Wall. Um, We will see how that goes. I don't know how I can do that from a logistics standpoint and get enough people here, but we will see. But if anybody's in the area traveling through, you're in western Pennsylvania, you want to stop by and see it, you can. Your admission price, seeing that I will turn 45 this year, is $1. Colt 45, 40-ounce 40 beer. <laughs> That's your admission price to come and see the wall. So either if you're, <laughs> if you're cruising through or uh, if we have an Axe meet up here, we'll see what that looks like. That will be your admission price. So one Colt 45 per head, which I think is more than fair. So <laughs> grab, grab a we'll Colt see how 40, that goes. Uh, <clears throat> but,
1: uh, uh, go ahead. Before all this corona uh, kicked off, I was uh, talking to – the place here, at Colon- Colonial Homestead, and I've talked to you about it before. I've done live feeds on Facebook and Instagram of this place. It's um, real quick. It's a, it's an antique tool store here in Ohio, um, owned and run by Amish, an Amish man. Um, he is not hip on all of our world. He, he is, but he isn't. He's educated by his customers, um, but he doesn't get on the Internet and see what we're into. And he has i don 't know somewhere around in in an in inventory somewhere around a thousand axes at all times i would say Wow. um he has a classroom down there that uh he opens to the public as a makerspace so again he doesn't he 's not on the internet but he knows what a makerspace is, so he 's educated by his customers and and he has some um influencers that um aren't amish so they they know what's what's going on that partners and stuff that he works with but anyways where i'm going we were working on doing an open house at his place sometime in july um i now since this corona thing i don't know what's going to happen so stay tuned for updates but it, it would be a, like a regular axe meet everybody uh show up buy sell trade he's he said he'll open up the shop to uh Anybody who wants to bring their stuff and sell or whatever, and uh, he'll he's talking about offering a discount on on some of his inventory. But it's there's a lot of crossover there too. So if you know axes are are just your little stepping stone, he has crosscut saws, he has slicks, he has chisels, he has wood planes, um, everything, everything you could ever think of hand tool wise for woodworking, cutting down trees, forestry, it's there. So um just visiting that place is worth the drive to Ohio. But and there's a nice hotel down the road, newly built hotel, and so more more information on that when this stuff blows over. Those those guys have all kind of gone into hiding, so to say. Um they were already masters at social distancing. <laughs> so <laughs> they're really good at it now. And what's the name of that place again for everybody? Colonial homestead. Um, there is no website. You bring cash. He doesn't take credit card. Uh, think back to 1890. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they they're, they don't have electricity. All the lights are run off of propane. He um, might have a generator, but uh, I know all the lights are propane lights because you stand close to them, you get hot. Um, but. Uh, there's there's a lot of people that have gone there, uh, a lot of famous woodworkers and stuff. Uh, I know Jim Bode goes down there a lot. Is it Bode or Bode? I call him Bodie, but I've heard it go both ways. Yeah, I know I know he stops in there often because um, uh, the owner of the place talks about him. Uh,
0: Christopher Swartz
1: made a. I don't know if he showed up there or if he just wrote an article about him. Christopher Schwartz is a big woodworker, hand tool woodworker. He's big in the, you get the point. It's, it's, yeah. it's an epic opportunity for us. Um, and I've built up a relationship with that guy basically because people coming in and dropping my name. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, but also if I mention him, you know, like during the live feeds and stuff, people usually end up showing up and buying some stuff from him. So. Um, good guy, great opportunity. So look forward to that sometime. If not this year, we'll do it next year or maybe in the fall. I don't know what, but I think it'll be a fun place to do an ax meet because we could do hands on there. Cause he has a full working woodworking shop, you know, with several benches and um, the opportunity to buy whatever you want, what, you know, from the axes, the tools to work on the axes, it's all, all there. So,
0: it definitely sounds interesting just from a historical standpoint, too. Like you were saying, with all the different items, you know, cross-cut, you know, spoke shaves, whatever, hand planes, you know, just that whole encompassing piece of the history, I know that, um it, at least to me, uh, is very, very interesting from a historical standpoint. And, you know, everybody that knows me or listens knows how I feel about the history piece of it. So a place like that just for the atmosphere and the aura and having – having to meet up there and being able to, to pick that guy's brain as far as like what he's seen, what he knows, you know, the stories that is very, very interesting uh, to me. So that would be really good. Um, you know, one of the other things I was sort of thinking about with this whole thing going on is, um, you know, depending on the time frames that we're looking at, I know I, I was talking to Shannon and I was like, you know, we got about three weeks left before flea market season hits. at least for pennsylvania obviously i know that's different in in different areas of the country and things like that so you know i know that they've been affected but man like if we don't uh we don't have this thing wrapped up by what i call flea market season which usually starts like that first weekend in may here there's going to be you talk about some serious cabin fever then man like we got to get this thing wrapped up so we need people to stay home be safe and let's get past this thing because mike's got to get to some flea markets yeah, I'm with you.
1: It's, it's a scary thought <clears throat> that the flea markets might
0: not open. Yeah, we will see. I have full faith that they will, but we will see. So let's get to our axe topic. We've been dancing around this thing here today. Right. So one of the things that I've been getting some questions about here as of late, maybe last month, maybe a little bit longer, is uh, especially, you know, guys been sitting around, they've been, you know, looking at different axes, reading, stuff like that, is, Uh, Winchester, Winchester Axes. What are those all about? Um, who made them? Where are they from? What's the story? What's the history piece of it? And what I will tell you is that it's not a clear cut history to it. And there's a lot of misinformation that has already been posted that are out on some of the forums and the sites and things like that. But that's one of the things about Axes is that we continue to learn and we're always updating. And even some of the stuff that I thought that I knew two years ago, five years ago, I found out new information and that stuff's not right. So it's one of the things that I really enjoy about axes is being able to always update and learn more. So Winchester axes. Um, one of the things that a lot of people think is that they were contracted out by the different companies. Uh, a lot of people think that Kelly made the Winchester axes. Um, I've heard of, you know, Man Edge making them. And from what we can see, what we've been able to dig up, read about what Tom Lamond has already put in some of his information and booklets is that Winchester, they were their own beast. And if you ever get the chance, you know, if you like history or if you like guns or if that, uh, you know, something that appeals to you, read up on the Winchester history. You can go to Wikipedia. It'll give you the basic breakdown and the the people that were involved in the timelines It's actually a really fascinating story, and as I've been sitting around reading up on Axe History and some of the things that were going on in, like, say, 1890, 1900, uh, up through about 1930, from a manufacturing company standpoint, industrialization standpoint, there was a lot of shady stuff going on, a lot of shenanigans, backdoor deals, price-fixing, corporate takeovers, uh, people getting booted out, people coming back in. It was the same with Winchester. So I'm not going to go into the history of Winchester. You guys can look it up. Uh, it looks like it actually started with Smith and Wesson. And then uh, Winchester was able to come in and, and take it over. There was some restructuring, blah, blah, blah. But basically what happened is that you know, Winchester was able to, you know, they were known for their repeating rifle, which was known as the gun that won the West. And they gained great popularity from that, and they were booming. We get through World War One, and Winchester is at the top of its game, uh, so to speak. They have a lot of money, and they're looking to expand. They basically, from what I've read and what I've seen, is that they didn't—they had so much money they didn't really know what to do with themselves. And so, what they decide is that they're going to come up with these Winchester stores, so almost like a franchise. And they're going to plop these things all around America. So they're basically going to be like, let's just think of it in layman's terms as like a hardware store with everything is going to be Winchester branded. And that's why you see so much stuff with Winchester on it that is not gun related. I mean, there's a million different products out there that has the Winchester name on it that have nothing to do with guns. Hopefully, guys have seen that. Um, you can Google it. You can eBay it. There's a ton of items that are out there. Uh, a lot of guys like Winchester for that, uh, very similar to, say, like King Cutter, which we'll get into that in a second, um, Bluegrass, things like that, where they just tried to dominate everything. So Winchester, after uh, World War One, you know, they're sitting on money. They decide that they're going to do this, uh, you know, franchising or this store thing. They uh, then become and they get into a deal with E.C. Simmons from uh, King Cutter fame the deal from what i can see was a terrible deal both sides really weren't in on it so they sort of went about it for all the wrong reasons there's a lot of turmoil with the deal and actually then another company comes in and sort of takes over the whole entire thing and then simmons gets shoved back off to the side and they go back to their hardware deal Uh, but one of the things with this then and again this is just real general we're not going to get into specifics but Winchester says, you know, hey, we're going to get into this whole axe game, axe and hatchets. And so through some of their company takeovers and things like that, they, for whatever reason, make the decision that we're going to make our own axes, which I don't really understand. Um, obviously, they're from the Northeast. So you have Collins right there, which at the time is, uh, you know, obviously one of the top five, if not top three axe makers in the country. They had other options, Man Edge, you know, Kelly, blah, 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 American Axe, um, which obviously they would have just gone out of business, so Kelly would have been the option there, and uh, I think probably would have been the option. And We'll get back to Kelly later, but they say, listen, we we need to find some place and we're going to make our own axes. So basically what they did is that they bought out what was known as uh, Mac Axe Company. It's M-A-C-K, and they are located in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania which is about half an hour, 35 minutes from my house, north of Pittsburgh. And the history behind that is that originally that plant in Beaver Falls used to be owned by Hubbard, uh, H-U-B-B-A-R-D. They then get absorbed by American Axe and Tool Company, which they had their headquarters in Glassport, Pennsylvania, again, not very far, just outside Pittsburgh. American Axe, they, you know, had a lot of uh, strife and stuff going on whenever they first formed in like 1888, 1889. And they took some of the equipment from that Beaver Falls location, they moved it to Glassport, but some of it was left. And so a, a gentleman by the name of John Mack he buys that back from American Axe, and he sets up shop then in Beaver Falls, and he's going to make the Mac Axe Company. And they're, they're in business roughly, give or take, about 1910 through 1919, 1920. Winchester comes along and then buys him out. So now they have the machinery. They have the, the spot to make their axes. And depending on the references that you look at, there's a couple references that say that those Winchester axes were actually made in Beaver Falls, and there's references that say that that equipment and everything was moved up to the northeast where uh, Winchester was up in New Haven, Connecticut. Um, I haven't been able to figure that out 100% either way. I'm still digging into that. Right now, it looks like they were actually made in Beaver Falls. So I did not know that. Um, so there is a possibility that these Winchester products were made a half an hour from, from where I live, which is actually pretty cool. So – To get back to the original point, so a lot of people think that Winchester was made by Kelly and things like that. Um, That does not appear to be the case. So Winchester actually bought their own axe-making capabilities and made that. And that didn't really go that well for them. Uh, You're looking at a period here about 1920 through 1930. Uh, We all know what happened in 1930. We get the Great Depression, and that's going to hit, and that's going to affect a lot of uh, different businesses, obviously. American Axe and Tool, or excuse me, Kelly, obviously being bought out by American Fork and Ho. This is no different. It really hurt Winchester and their ability to be able to do uh, what they wanted to do. So um, they had also, Winchester, bought another company that was called Barney and Barry Company, and they had made some different products, uh, Hatchets being one of those. And so they had gained that technology and everything off of them. Uh, so now that they had that ability from a manufacturing standpoint too. And they think, again, I haven't been able to figure this out 100% yet, is that that, those um, manufacturing abilities, so the hammers and things like that from Barney and Barry, they either had to come to Beaver Falls or else they had to go to New Haven, and I haven't been able to quite figure that out yet. But um, that's the quick once-over on the history from Winchester. Now, the whole deal with E.C. Simmons, and I know, um, Killer, you had mentioned this earlier, is that we get a lot of questions about that Winchester type or I guess if you want to call it font and that King Cutter font. Yes. Right. So what were we talking about earlier on that? Okay, so <clears throat> the information that's
1: that I've seen put out on the king cutters with um basically any king cutter that isn't the diamond
0: logo. You know, the actual king cutter what do they call that? I call it the Simmons logo. Yeah, um, That's what I call it. And different guys call it different things. I've heard it called the shield before. So It has been put out
1: that anything that doesn't have the Simmons logo is in fact uh, counterfeit. But the ones we're talking about, King Cutter, have the font of a Winchester. In other words, when you're looking at the word King Cutter, it looks just like Winchester, except for it spells King Cutter. And you brought up information to show that that's, in fact, a Winchester axe-stamped
0: King Cutter, correct? That is where we're going with that. So it doesn't make a lot of sense for that King Cutter to be fake. It has the same stamp uh, characteristics. Of the Winchester, it has that same font, which obviously we know now that there was a relationship in the 1920s with Winchester and E.C. Simmons um, and those two conglomerates. We also know that there was a lot of unsteadiness there with that, and it would make sense then that those King Cutters, seeing that that was one conglomerate, Winchester then, if they had the ability to make their own axes, why would they contract that out? it would make sense then to make them at, you know, again, either in Beaver Falls or new Haven with that new ax uh, capability that they had. So that's sort of where I'm going with that. Again, I haven't locked that down hundred percent, but from a, you know, what makes sense standpoint, that's sort of where I'm going with that. Yeah.
1: And I, I would agree with that. I, I don't see any reason why they would be, if you're going to counterfeit King cutter, why not just counterfeit the logo?
0: Right. And I think that, Again, as we talked about earlier, there, you know, 1900 up until about 1930 with the Great Depression up until World War II from a corporate standpoint, there was so much going on. There was companies taking over this, taking over that guys going from one company to another. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into the specifics of the king cutter history because it's, it's massive as well. But I believe, you know, we talk about. E.C. Simmons, and then we talk about Shapely, and I think that went down in 1940, 1939. Yeah, Simmons was purchased by Shapely in 1940. So that would sort of make sense then whenever we would see Kelly come into play for making those particular axes. Um, real quick on the on E.C. The e. Simmons or King Cutters, those were originally made by Man Edge Company. So back in the day, whenever that first started, um, Man Edge had that contract. Uh, that's widely known, that's proven. Um, multiple pieces of paperwork come out of the Man Edge company. Um, and that, that's been, I know Lamond has referenced that before. So we know that the early EC Simmons king cutters were in fact made by Man Edge. Maybe then transitioned into the Winchester piece of the history puzzle there in the mid 1920s. Then once Shapley comes around, say late 30s, 40s, then that would make sense then the transition over to Kelly, which, with some of those different brands and things, you see that those were contracts. So those were fluid just because, you know, one company made EC Simmons King Cutter doesn't mean that they made it for the last 50, 60 years. Right. Whoever could come in, produce that lowest price for the manufacturing, they were going to win that contract. So that's sort of what we're seeing here. It's just, it's messed up. It's, it's now, hard to follow.
1: Now to kind of back that up, um, King Cutter, EC Simmons King Cutter, was a brand really. They didn't really make anything.
0: They were the, like a hardware distributor, you know, Simmons yeah. hardware company, which I b- b- believe they were originally based out of what St. Louis. Right. So right. they were, they're sort of like the bluegrass, right? Like they were looking to put their name on different products, get that Correct. quality piece out there, you know, merchandising at, at its finest back in the, uh, in the early days. So I know um, in the, in the
1: woodworking world, like there's King cutter planes and, um, I believe
0: most of them are Stanley Plains with King Cutter marked on them. Exactly. So there's a lot of that going around where you were just putting your name on somebody else's product, which we've, you know, we've seen the best made for, that's probably not that great of example, but that's what best made does, right? Best made puts somebody else comes in, makes their product, whether it's a, a shirt, a pair of pants, an axe, you know, all the products that they have, that's made by somebody else, but it's made to their specifications, So they put their name on it. Well the best
1: the best uh comparison today that you could use is tool the tool world. Um so you'll get companies like Lyle and um Vexton and I don't there's a couple other these are well known names, but then they'll be rebranded for you know, Blue Point or uh some of uh you know, I can't think of the other, the other big tool guys. They're, they're off brand, but the, it's like they're off brand. It'll rebrand them and sell them as, you know, a sub brand of their own. Sure. So you see it, it, it's, it's all the time. You see stuff like that all the time still.
0: Oh yeah. And, uh, I think that with this Winchester story, it's a really good example of just, I don't know what the term is. I guess it would be chaos that was going on. Again, from like 1890 to 1930, like that really seems to be, you know, industrialization hits, you know, obviously cities are growing, steel is going nuts, um, businesses are growing, we got you know world wars, things like that, we got depression, there's a lot going on and trying to figure that all out and follow the trails and who was doing what. It's been very, very interesting. So we will have more on this as obviously as we continue the podcast, we'll uh, we'll try and do a little tidbit. Um, obviously, this Winchester thing, it's not there's still more to it there, and there's you know some specifications and things like that. But you know Winchester, what's really interesting with that, similar to King Cutter, similar to Bluegrass, is that there's crossover popularity there. So you get a Winchester axe, and maybe a gentleman or a gal that's into Winchester rifles, um, into Winchester guns overall. And they come and they see that hatchet or that ax and they are like, Oh my gosh, look at that. I've never seen that before. So that's one of the parts of the appeal to Winchester, especially because it is a little bit different and not a lot of people know about how they tried to go and like sort of go that EC Simmons king cutter route where they were going to be on everything. And, you know, this is just one of the stories where it didn't really work out and it ended up hurting them. Now, the Winchester axes, I know I have, because I was putting them up on the wall, I think I have nine of them all together, all in different patterns. And they made different, they had different stampings. So they had Winchester, usually it's like the three line is the most common, Winchester, Trademark, Made in USA. That's yeah. usually the most common one that you'll see. Um there's the Winchester with like the W, then it says Winchester through it. You do, I don't think I've ever seen that actually on an axe. I've seen that on paperwork, uh, maybe on a handle. Don't hold me to that. But then there's also that Winchester where it says Winchester trademark made in USA, and then it says special. Hmm. And I have a couple of those hatchets. Um, what that actual special means, that is up for debate. Um, a special line, a special uh, batch, things like that. Um, to me, it was probably just something that they added to the stamping to try and set it apart from some of the other ones. So if anybody has any information on that, feel free to chime in. I've read a couple different things with it, but nothing where I think it's really concrete to be able to go with. So um but that's about it on Winchester. That's not all, like I said, all encompassing. It's, it's a mess. Let yeah. me tell you, trying to read through some of this stuff with everything going on, it's an absolute mess. Um, the, the shady stuff going on between, uh, American X and tool company and Kelly in the early 1900s. Uh, I, there's no way that they could get away with the stuff today. And then Man Edge coming in and like trying to be relevant. And I know I've said it on the other podcast. What's interesting is, like, Collins is not even in the mix. Like, you don't hear or see anything from Collins. Like, they're so busy trying to export machetes that, <laughs> that they don't even care about axes. Like, they just, like, fall off the earth. Warren is all about the Pacific Northwest. They're trying to sell Pugets and Swampers and, and felling axes up there. Um, Kelly is basically trying to take over the world. American Axe is trying to hold on and manage company who, you know, they try and in the literature and the advertising, they always play the, the the role of the small guy. Like, hey, we're not that big versus our competitors, but, you know, our standards and our quality are so much higher. And what's interesting is that they're the ones that made it. You know, they made it all the way to 2003, so maybe there's something to be said for that. But it's definitely an interesting piece of uh, history in a time in Axe's with uh everything that's going on and i guess one of the other things if you want to talk about who made it i mean council made it and they're nowhere to be seen i like, yeah. they, they don't even come on the radar until like 1960 yeah it's very mysterious yeah so but we got some new information some new light on that as well which uh i'll be sharing with everybody else but basically we just want to hit on the winchester thing like i said i've been getting a lot of questions on that and you know what was going on? So that was just a brief little overview of the history piece. Um, maybe we'll get into King Cutter next time, or if you guys got anything, send them in, send them into the Instagram page or hit one of us up on Facebook or something like that. But we are approaching the one hour mark, which that's about where we want to keep this so I can uh, not lose everybody. But what we're going to do is that we're going to do the Miller and Killer show then, hopefully every Monday going forward. And you know, we're going to provide acts history. Little bit of update as far as like what's going on in the current axe world, uh, killer and what he has going on, leatherworking and those fabulous handles. And then hopefully once we get through Corona time here, I can try and unload some of these axes that, uh, are my duplicates or the ones that, uh, I don't really need anymore. And there's unfortunately about 250 of those wow. that, that need to go because I just don't have anywhere for them. Right yeah. Now. And, uh, I'm at, I'm almost at capacity, so we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. but killer, what do you got to uh, to wrap us up with, buddy?
1: Uh, not much. I you know just one thing I to touch on the Winchester brand it it's actually one of the very uh, few axes I own. A um, couple of reasons. one I don't I just don't see them in my area. And two, the prices on them seem to be higher, but I think that's because of the crossover from the gun guys.
0: Yeah, they definitely have a value to them. Uh, The hatchets, which, again, I don't think that there's anything from a manufacturing or a quality standpoint that really sets them apart. But they do have the name on it, and obviously we know how name recognition goes. So the hatchets, especially the ones that say special, usually fetch a pretty good price because you don't see them as much. But your uh, your full-size axes, um, I know I have a Connie, and then I think the rest are hatchets. I'll have to double-check that. I might have a regular single bit. But your regular-size axes, you don't see that Winchester name on there too much. Um, they are out there, but you just don't see them. But, Very rare. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. But, um so that's about it. We're going to wrap this thing up. I appreciate everybody coming back and listening. I know it's been, I don't know, three months, four months layoff, whatever it is, but the Miller and Killer Show will persevere and we will prevail and we will yep. keep going. So uh, wrap this thing up. Obviously, we're uh, in corona time. Everybody stay smart, stay safe, stay home. we got a couple more weeks here for the majority of the country, and let's get through this. Uh, I know everybody has cabin fever, and we're all itching in to do something. So, get outside. Chopping wood is a really good exercise to be able to relieve some of that cabin fever stress. So, right. uh, do what you got to do. Keep you and your family safe. We appreciate everybody listening to us today, and uh, we will get you one more week. Stay tuned, everybody. Thank See you, guys.